Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, happy Monday afternoon. Welcome to another week of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Radio Network. We're glad you're with us. Bob Getty and Kelly Sander from the Southern Bank Corps Studio here in Hattiesburg. Luke is out today, but uh, we've got a great show for you. We're about to uh, interview a, a really a legendary basketball coach, Tim Floyd. Heath Hinton will be on the show later to talk about the weekend basketball activities at Southern Miss. Uh, Kelly and I will be talking a little bit about baseball that occurred over the weekend and, of course, the NFL playoffs. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, and we thank them each and every day for serving delicious food seven days a week in the Pine Belt and, of course, catering every event, large or small. The next time you have something special, keep Dickey's in mind. Our first guest, uh, we're very excited about having uh, on the program. He was a former Southern Miss walk-on basketball player, the son of a former Miss uh, Southern basketball coach, but a man with his own coaching legacy, 444 wins in the the college and professional ranks. Uh, Coach Tim Floyd, former coach of the Chicago Bulls, the New Orleans Hornets, the UTEP Miners, Idaho, UNO, Iowa State, and USC. Coach, we're glad to have you on the Eagle Hour. Hey, guys. Good, Good to talk to you. Coach, 444 wins uh, in uh, Division One uh, college basketball and professional basketball. I'm going to guess. Uh, I'm going to venture a guess and say there really isn't much you haven't seen when it comes to the game. Well, I had uh, a lot of different seats, and uh, so thankful for it. You know, I'm looking back, just a lot of opportunities that a lot of guys don't get a chance to uh, participate in, and uh, did see an awful lot. Continue to watch a lot of basketball and uh, still see something new every day. So uh, it was, you know, basically my entire adult life was uh, was centered around the game. Yes, sir. So you walked on at Southern Miss and then eventually transferred to Louisiana Tech, where you finished your collegiate career. Now, how did you how did you go from there to getting into the coaching ranks that that led you all the way to coaching the uh, world famous Chicago Bulls? Well, a couple of things that happened. Uh, you know, my father had passed away when I was 17, but I had an opportunity to work with the New Orleans Saints from the time I was 16 to 21 in their summer camps, uh, basically washing jocks and socks started there <laughs> to putting the fleur-de-lis on their helmets to changing the, the cleats on the, uh, the Riddell shoes and uh, then moved into the business office and uh, eventually became a gopher for Hank Stram the last two years. But, uh, you know, like a lot of kids, uh, started out wanting to do something else. You know, I was going to be a doctor, going to be a lawyer, all those kind of things. But uh, I just always remembered that my father was happy, you know, when I look back on it in, in his life and doing what he loved. And uh, I started asking the Saints coaches, you know, how do I get into college? What do I do? How do I get in? And uh, started writing letters. And uh, the only person that ever wrote me back was Don Haskins. And he uh, sent a letter back saying that he was uh, 
appreciative of the letter. Unfortunately, he did not have a position open up at, at the time that he was interested, though if something ever opened up. And um, I just got in the car and drove from Ruston, Louisiana, to El Paso, Texas. He was not in the office, and I told the assistant that Don Haskins had an interest in hiring me, even though he really didn't. And uh, <laughs> Coach Haskins uh, told the assistant to give me uh, – $40 for gas money to go back to Ruston, Louisiana, and show up in August. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Actually, your dad, uh, Lee Floyd, uh, attended Texas Western at the time, which is now known as UTEP. And, of course, you eventually wound up coaching at your dad's alma mater. Lee Floyd started coaching the Mississippi Southern Southerners in 1949. And the first game coached in the sports arena which is no longer on campus at Southern Miss. Lee Floyd coached in that, in that arena. And, of course, Tim, a lot, as times went on and Southern Miss had coaching opportunities, it was always fictitious, of course, but your name was always listed as, as one of the favorites or somebody that Southern Miss wanted to talk to. Were you ever even close to, to taking a job at Southern Miss or coaching at Southern Miss? You know, it was always a, a dream of mine to be able to go back and do that, but uh, the timing never was right when when those job when the job did open up, and um, and had an opportunity to go do it. Um, we were up in Iowa and had a daughter in in high school uh, at the time, and um, anybody that's dealt with moving with a, a daughter as a sophomore or junior in high school, you know that they're going to probably end up on a uh, a couch in a counselor's office, you know, when they're 35, <laughs> blaming you for the rest of their life. So, so I, I, I opted out of that one and uh, and just kind of hung in. But uh, you know, it's, it was always a place um, that that I, I, I followed their scores. You know, I, I, I pulled for them day in and day out. Uh, and um, but but you know, in retrospect, it was probably the best thing that I ever did because in this coaching business. You go to places, and uh, you know everybody loves you the first day. But by day two, there's already one person mad at you. And day two, there's two people mad at you, and uh, and that list just kind of builds up over time. And uh, I had to have some place to go back to, and that's why uh, you know I look back on it now. It's probably the best thing ever happened because I didn't build up that that group of people that. Uh, that dislike the old coach, and now I'm, I've got a place outside of Poplarville, Mississippi, and still uh, get up to Hattiesburg all the time to check on my sister and brother-in-law and play a little golf and see my pals, and um, and then we also get down to New Orleans and see all of our friends down there. Boy, the athleticism that runs in that family. Your dad was not only a, a good basketball player, but also a swimmer, a boxer, and a gymnast. Among other things, and and a football player, um, he was a starting starting wide receiver uh, on the um, the football team. But also in those days, and I still think it would be a great great sport today. They had college boxing, and um, he was the heavyweight boxer at Texas Western. And uh, you know they'd have a match with Texas Tech or New Mexico State, and uh, pack in the gymnasium on Friday nights. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he was uh, he was a tumbler, a gymnast, and and I think the best athlete in her family was my sister Sally. Um, she uh, was a swimmer, 
and I, I think at one time had like four state records in Mississippi and three in the state of Louisiana. And um, in those days, they did not give college scholarships to women's athletes in, in swimming. But uh, uh, and I, I'm I'm just convinced that you know I, I was the worst athlete in, in the group. Uh, well, if you- I, I still call myself I still call myself the first five year red shirt. In the history of Division One, I. I think I played a total of five minutes well, in five years. Well, if, if you want to talk about athletic genealogy, Sally Logan, that he, Sally, his sister, married Craig Logan, and the two of them birthed Chris Logan and Kyle Logan, who went on to be great baseball players at Southern Miss. So there's Is a, that right? There's a lot of Southern Miss, uh, a lot of Southern Miss blood in this in this family. Coach, real quick before we go to commercial break, we want to ask you to stick around for a second break if you forget, if you've got another minute. But when you were coaching at Iowa State, I remember talking to you saying that Iowa State, you know, at, at the time and still does, pay their basketball coaches pretty well in the college scheme of things. And then you went to take a Bulls team that, that you knew, frankly, probably wasn't going to be very good. Honestly, just the two of it. Looking back at that, would you take that same course or would you have stayed at Iowa State? Well, things were different in those days. You know, I had a, uh, a 10-year contract at Iowa State. But but college contracts were not uh, guaranteed, so it was basically just uh, a number. The ten years. I mean, they could fire you for stepping on a sidewalk crack, you know, or um, a player could say that you said this or said that. Uh, no telling what could happen. Okay. And uh, so the, mo- the money was not fully guaranteed. And I was in my forties, and uh, and you know the the day I signed that NBA contract. Um, I basically would have had to stay at Iowa State for 14 years to accumulate <laughs> to accumulate that money, and so you know it was really the only choice I had. But now, you know, the the game has changed, and uh, and these coaches, you know, will get fired at Auburn in football and leave with a bunch of money or at Orgeron, and uh, and I just had to look out after my family, knowing sure. that you know I was going to get fired by the Bulls. You know, the the best formula to to stay stay employed is to uh, follow somebody that's that hadn't won many games, and then uh, as you win more, you get more years on your contract, and uh, and you can continue to buy groceries. So, uh, but uh, that was a that was a different time, and and if it was today, no, I probably would not have left. But uh, but that's what I needed to do at that time. Well, there's a lot of ties again to, to Iowa State and Southern Miss, including Larry Eustachy, who came to coach at Southern Miss, who was an assistant for Tim Floyd. Tim, we got a few other things we want to touch upon before we let we go. Are you good for another segment? Yeah, I am, and I might add James Green as well. That's right, Jim. Also, that, that's right. All right, so we'll, right. we'll continue okay. the show with uh, Coach Tim Floyd. You're listening to the Eagle Hour from Southern Bank Corp Studio in Hattiesburg. Great conversation. Look forward to more right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net sponsors the second segment of the Eagle Hour every day on the Super Talk Radio Network. Wherever you're tuned in this afternoon around the state, thank you. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Core Studio. We're talking to a former 
professional and college basketball coach uh, Tim Floyd. Uh, coach, I, I do want to ask you about your run at UTEP and your and your thoughts about the current league, Conference USA. But, you know, you have, as Kelly pointed out, two interesting connections uh, with former coaches here at Southern Miss, Larry Eustace and James Green. And, and uh, you know, you got we could talk about Coach Eustace, but I wanted to get your thoughts about James Green because I, I do remember that in those years I followed Southern Miss basketball that he was a coach. I always felt that he – that he probably didn't get as much credit as he deserved for the quality of a coach that I thought he was. I, th- I thought he did a really good job here at Southern Miss. I thought he was terrific. And, uh, and let's think back to those times. Uh, Bob Huggins had a complete dominance of Conference USA, and that was a league with Louisville, Cincinnati, Memphis, DePaul, Marquette, all right, mm-hmm. UAB. And uh, Bob Huggins won the league nine consecutive years. The only person that broke that streak was James Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Green uh, tied him for a conference championship. Um, so, uh, no doubt, James Green was a special, special coach. Um, he, you know, they, they released James, which I didn't agree with at all. And he left there and went to Mississippi Valley, then took them to uh, two NCAA tournaments and um, then went on to Jacksonville State. He had tough, tough jobs. If, if James had ever had an opportunity to have been a head coach at a place like in Alabama where, you know, kids grow up wanting to go and go play, I think he'd have been uh, still coaching in the SEC. I thought he was as fine a coach that ever worked for me. And, um, and I've had some great ones. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Kermit Davis was one of my assistants at Idaho, and Larry Eustacey was a national coach of the year, Randy Bennett at St. Mary's. Um, I can go on and on, but James was as good as any of them. And and the job that Coach Eustacey did at Southern Miss took the team to the NCAAs uh, and moved on, I think, to Colorado State, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think he I think he would have done really great things if he'd have stayed here. Do you not agree? I totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, he was there eight years, and uh, and you know you look back on it, um, he took a team to the NCAA tournament. And and we we make so much of uh, Coach Turk winning an NIT championship, and rightfully so. That was a tremendous achievement. But getting to that NCAA tournament is a, is a whole other deal. And uh, Larry was able to do that, and I thought they had uh, some very, very good teams along the way, or he wouldn't have had that opportunity at Colorado State. But uh, And, again, he took them to an NCAA tournament at Colorado State, did the same thing at Utah State and at Iowa State. So uh, Southern Miss has had some fine coaches. You, you prepped at Oak Grove High School here just right outside Hat- – well, it was way outside of Hattiesburg back when you <laughs> when you were at Oak Grove. It's now a western suburb. But as you as you look at your, your situation at UTEP, Coach, was, was it, you talked about the timing of the Iowa State and Bowl situation. Was the timing right at UTEP, and how much was the fact that your dad – had such ties to then Texas Western that you wound up taking the job at UTEP? Well, it had a lot to do with it. Uh, the fact that my father had uh, had played there, but also the fact that I'd worked there for Coach Haskins. And uh, Coach Haskins was really the only boss that I ever had. And and uh, I was with him the night before he passed away in 2008, and he had told me that he'd love for me to come back and, and try to get that thing going again. And um, and it's one of the great disappointments in my career is that we did not get them to the NCAA tournament. 
um, it was the it was just uh, we were we were close. Uh, first year we got beat by one by Memphis in the conference tournament final, and um, you know this this conference USA is a tough gig. Um, the travel's horrific when you're in El Paso, but the biggest problem is the fact that you've got some very fine basketball playing schools. As as uh, we can look back at the last six NCAA tournaments, Conference USA is the only league that has won a first-round game with a 12, 13, 14 seed um, over uh, three years in a row, and they've done it five of the last six. Um, Middle Tennessee was great when Kermit was there. Western Kentucky is a long, proud history. Old Dominion, UAB, uh, Louisiana Tech, you know, with the Carl Malone era. A lot of, you know, Marshall. Marshall's had some great teams. And um, it's uh, it's very difficult when you have 14 teams in a league and you get that one bid because a lot of things can happen in those conference tournaments. And coach, when you announced that you were that you were done at UTEP, it, it wasn't you know it wasn't at the end of the year. It was kind of sudden. A lot of people kind of thought it, it came out of nowhere. What what was the deciding factor? What made you decide in your mind, I'm done? Well, there were there were many factors. Uh, it was going through my mind. Um, that entire off season from from April all the way up until October, but throughout the entire summer, um, then I ran into some blood pressure issues. My uh, blood pressure the night before I retired was two twenty over one thirty. Mm. Uh, we had lost a I'd lost a tough game over at New Mexico State, and I went in to see the doctor the next morning, and he recommended a lot of uh, a lot of medications. And I was on the way uh, to Walgreens to go get them all filled out, you know. And uh, I said, I just decided I was going home. And I went, went and told my wife, I said, look, I think I've got the right medication. It's time for me to step away. But uh, the game was changing. Uh, we were on the front end of that transfer portal. Um, it was uh, not something that I agreed with at all. Um, a lot of exceptions were being made in those days for kids becoming immediately eligible. To leave and go play elsewhere. Um, I'd watched it at Tulane. I'd watched it at Rice University, at Cleveland State. Mid-major guys leaving and going up a level, and uh, and now look where we are now. Six, seven years later, it's uh, it's completely out of hand. And um, I just um, was fortunate to coach when I coached. Uh, loved uh, the whole notion of putting teams together and, uh, and working with young people. And of course, um, and of course, you, you coached Fred Hoiberg, you know, out of Iowa State, who later went on to to uh, play for the Bulls, and then of course coached them as well. He's now at the University uh, of Nebraska. Uh, so Fred Hoiberg, you know, is is another name that that you can that you can add to that list. And um, and Doc Sadler, who was at Southern Miss, now an assistant at Nebraska's. Under under Fred Hoiberg, so you get a lot of moving parts there. It's amazing how how it all works out. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Doc's Doc's been a good friend for a long time, and uh, you know, won twenty games since last year there at Southern Miss, and taken over uh, a horrible probation, one of the most difficult situations uh, for a coach to walk into, and the one at Southern Miss was so prolonged. You know, they went through three years of investigation. And coaches were using it against them. Hey, you don't want to go there. They're going to be on probation. Then they finally put him on two-year probation. And I was shocked that he could win 20 games. And, uh, of course, you know, when Doc left, 
um, he had a senior-laden team. And, and Jay, who I think is a terrific, terrific coach, um, I've been to a couple of their games this year. In fact, was there last week against North Texas. Um, Jay was in a complete rebuild, um, and they, they've just got to get a few more players, and he'll, and he'll be fine. But uh, he, he basically was starting over, you know, after Doc left. So I think I think Jay will get her done here in the next couple of years. He'll find him some guards, and um, they'll be ready to rock and roll again. Well, last question, Coach. Uh, your, your thoughts about the state of college athletics? Now, Kelly and I have had a little bit of a disagreement with this, but I think college athletics, as we've known it our, all of our adult lives, no longer exists. And I and I look at football. I think basketball is probably the same. It's almost like there is a collegiate free agency system now, where players uh, now can legally shop for the highest bidder. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what's going on. You know, you look at the quarterback at uh, Oklahoma, a freshman starting at the University of Oklahoma, and he decides to put his name in the portal. Do you think that's because of the coach, or do you think maybe he's shopping for the best NIL deal? And and we're going to see that. It's going to be very, very difficult for um, fans to relate with what's going on as we move forward. Um, I'm not sure it's all good. from a coaching perspective, I don't like it because, uh, you know, I think for people to get better and grow and get where they're trying to get as a player and to improve, um, they've got to go through some adversity. And, um, and you've got to get them out of their comfort zone from time to time. You've got to actually correct them. And, uh, and sometimes you have to be direct with them in order for them to hear you. And, um, and now I'm seeing a lot of coaches who have had to become clappers on the sideline. They just sit there. You might as well give them some pom poms, you know, because <laughs> they're they're afraid to to challenge. Yeah, you know, because if I get on the kid, uh, by gosh, his name's in the portal and he's left and he's our best player. Not to mention, the, so I don't think I, as I, I say, don't think it helps the kids. Yeah, and not My to point mention is I don't. I don't go ahead. I was just gonna, and not to mention that their mom and dad are going to ride your back, you know. After, no. <laughs> Coach, we want to thank. Yeah, want to thank you for your time. We know you got some things you're juggling at your house, and you were gracious to stay with us a lot longer than we originally promised you we'd keep you. Uh, maybe we could get you back another time. I'm sure a lot of great stories we can share, and uh, we really appreciate your time, sir. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Y'all take care. All right, Tim thanks, Floyd, coach. everybody, legendary college and professional basketball coach. Great conversation, I thought. All right, we'll talk about Southern Miss basketball next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. A great conversation with basketball coach Tim Floyd of the Chicago Bulls and UTEP and Iowa State and Idaho and UNO and USC and the New Orleans Hornets. Uh, He's been around, and uh, we really do appreciate his time. This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place to enjoy lunch uh, Monday through Friday, just $8.95, as we tell you every day. And uh, it's always delicious. Big, uh, as Kelly would describe them, husky portions of food. And uh, you certainly get your money's worth. And they're great people at Forest Street Bar Grill. Heath Hinton now joins us uh, from Big Gold Nation. You know, guys, uh, a lot of great basketball coaches come through here. And we talked about that. You, Stacy, James Green, 
uh, Donnie Tindley, say what you want to about him. He was just a winner, MK Turk. But, you know, you look back and you wonder, a coach like Tim Floyd with his connections here, the winningest basketball coach of the history of Mississippi, Coach Knight over at William Carey, how did they all slip through the cracks, Kelly? I don't know that it's, you know, because I think throughout the years, you, you always heard Southern Miss people say, and we can get Heath's opinion on it, but you always heard Southern Miss people say, we can't afford Tim Floyd. Well, you know, after you made the money at Iowa State that he made, and then he went on to the, to the Bulls and, and look, frankly, made millions, right, coaching the Bulls. I don't think Tim Floyd would have ever considered the money to be an issue. Right. Right. I think That's he right. would have just come back to where his dad, That's right. you know, coached uh, starting in 1949 just to, you know, That's l- right. live in his dad's foot. But like you said, it was just a matter of timing. But I think a lot of Southern Miss fans said we couldn't afford him. Yeah. And and Steve Knight only turned out he to be the winningest basketball coach in the history of the state of Mississippi. Yeah. Crazy. And I mean, <laughs> you, you look at, you look at the situations and, and like you talk about Tim Floyd. Um, uh, where he was when Southern Miss was looking for a coach, he was always well established at places. So I mean, it was just uh, a lot of that was timing and. Right, and he said you know, as much. He said as much. It, yeah. It's just a uh, the coaching profession is one that you that you can't afford to put down roots, but you try to make it a home wherever you're at. Right. I had a coach tell me that one time, and it's pretty That's apropos. Right. And real quick, a postscript to to Coach Floyd. After my wife passed away in 1999, he was one of the, he was one of the first people to call me, and he was with the Bulls at the time, and he said, "Look, uh, consider you and the kids coming up and hanging out with us a little while." I said, "You and Beverly, me and in the family," and he said, "No, me and the Bulls," and I said, "Well, we're, yeah, we'll be there," <laughs> and the Bulls sent us tickets. And we went up, and my family got to be a, a guest of the show. We were in the Berto Center where they practice. Saw all the trophies, Coach Floyd and all the Bulls. I've got video of my son playing a, a little pickup game with Hersey Hawkins and Will Perdue. Yeah, back, pretty good stuff. Back in that. But, but that, Tim, that just shows you the kind of guy that Tim Floyd is, too. Just right. very, very nice. All right. Uh, Coach Floyd said, Heath, he just believes that our present coaching staff got to find him a couple of guards. He believes – and I and I believe that too that Jay Ladner and Coach Spoon and those guys are going to get this turned around. But it's been another tough weekend, and it's sort of the same old, same old. Am I am I right? As the men lose uh, two conference games over the weekend, it's the same thing. Look, you try to get better in some categories, and uh, you end up you know one day it's rebounding, one day it's a, you know one day it's turnovers. They've gotten better with the turnovers. But they didn't score this past game. They only had five guys who scored. Uh, did a better job of rebounding, but once again, five guys only scored. Uh, Jerron Pierre with a 29-point game. Uh, Tyler Stevenson put 14 this last game, and a couple other guys and three other guys in single digits. But you know, it's just just not an offensive basketball team, and, and it shows when you two shots later, a team is done caught up with you because. We're trading threes for twos, right? So it's it's just it's it's the same every week. And you ask Coach Ladner about it, and you know he's even like, yeah, even he sees it, he knows what it is. They price it, but what do you do at this point? As I said a couple of weeks ago, at this point of the season, you know a team is what they are, and they much you can change on that. And and this. Heath, you're talking about five guys in that lineup too, and what becomes what what looks like it's becoming problematic. They're hanging with opposition and competing in that first half, 
right? But then, it, then they might be getting into the Eagles' legs in the second half. You know, when the other teams might be a little bit deeper in the second half, you see the disparity and that uh, other teams start to pull away. You know, I'm not a coach, guys, but let me ask you this. And you can answer this first, Heath, and then Kelly. And I'm not a coach, so I want to preface that. At this point, don't you maybe try to let some of the kids who are not on the floor much play, see how they do? Is that is that fair to say, Heath? I don't I, look. I, maybe I, I don't know. I think we've seen pretty much everybody that's uh, strong enough to play at this level. It's just they don't have many shooters. They don't have many scores. Um, I, I don't think it would matter at this point. No, I don't think that would help matters much. I think most talented guys on the team are playing on the floor. It's just that, you know, they're lacking. There's something lacking on this team. Is it a leadership aspect? Uh, Tay Hardy being down. I mean, he was the, the glue on that team. There's nobody vocal on that team. Coach Ladner said it in press conference. You know, they're just not a, a vocal squad. So uh, it's just one of those it's one of those years where if something goes wrong, it does. And mm. it's been tough. It's been tough. All right, on the women's side, uh, the Lady Eagles split over the weekend. Uh, they were on the road. They got a nice win at Rice. That's a pretty good women's program there. Uh, and from what I read, uh, Coach McNellis kind of, let me think of how you say this, wasn't real happy with the first game and let her team know about it, and they seem to have responded. Oh, yeah, especially Dominique Davis. She's starting to put her names up there with, you know, with some of the best uh when you watch her play, kind of shadows of Jameer Faulkner or Brent Dinkins. I mean, there's she's she's got that in her. Her last two games at North Texas, she scored, you know, 22. At Rice, she had 30. Um, just doing things on the court that we haven't seen at Southern Miss in in a little while, and a difference maker. And you know, they're they're going to be competitive down the stretch. It's going to be fun to watch the Lady Eagles. Especially, but now that uh, Macy Weaver, one of their bigs, is out injured, how are they going to be able to stay out of foul trouble uh, in the post? And I think uh, you look at she challenged uh, some of the girls on the team, and Malia Grayson had a really good game. And, uh, you know, four points North Texas turns around, has 15. Kelsey Jones, another one that she has really. you know, they really challenged, and I think she stepped up as well. Uh, I, I just think they're they're a good team. I think yeah. they're a really good team. They're a solid team, and they're going to get better the longer they play together. And Coach McNeilis, I think she'll take the split on the road. She'd rather have the sweep, but a split on the road is good. And I think when you get to post when you get to the Conference USA tournament, right now, I mean, the deck is stacked against the men, right? But the women, at least right now, seem to be a team that if they can get hot, which mm-hmm. with what they did to Rice, they dominated Rice in Houston. Um, Houston. Yes, thank you for the correction there, John. <laughs> but if they can go into the postseason tournament and play like they played against Rice and put together about two or three of those, hey. Yeah, I think they can make noise, uh, yeah. Heath. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch them down the stretch here. Yeah, they're second in the West right now. The women are so uh, they've got to play UAB. Um, you know, this team it just depends on the seeding, uh, how they get down the stretch, uh, what their seeding is. If they can come out of the West, they'll get a bye. It's just uh, you know the teams 
you want your team to be playing their best basketball at the end of the season, and Coach McNeil says, hope that's what's going to happen. Well, we'll watch them and see. Uh, yeah. Heath, I've got your ticket, by the way, on the Bengal Express uh, to hey, LA. Oh, God. I'm just waiting go. for the old party at the uh, Santa Estate in a couple of weeks. For the, the, uh, the, the Santa Estate doesn't exist presently. <laughs> he sold it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm in the process of building one. But uh, but I'm heading to a big crawfish boil down in uh, in Ocean Springs. But I'll tell you, the city of Amory today is all in on the Bengals. Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, his paternal grandparents, Joe and Dot, live in Amory. Is that right? And the family has a lot more ties to the maroon and white school up there in Starkville. But the town of Amory, because of the connections to Joe Burrow's grandparents living in Amory, they're all in on the on the Bengal Express. And you know, as paternal, they've just got to be thrilled. Oh, Bob, you know with, that. You know that. Yeah. With yeah. what, what uh, their Everything's clicking did. for them. You know, I mean, they're just right now appear to be a team of destiny. We only got 30 seconds left, Deep, but I don't get your opinion on this. I told Kelly, what concerns me about the Bengals is this this two-week gap between the championship games and the Super Bowl. And so many times you see a team that's red hot get to the Super Bowl, but then they have to sit down for two weeks and they lose some of that momentum. Yeah, it's tough. But, you know, once again, it, it – I think this could end up being one of the better Super Bowls just because of the teams that are matched up in the quarterback. You've got one that's been that's kind of had to go to a new team to get out of purgatory. They was in Detroit. You got Joe Burrow who comes in with a wide receiver and him that played together for so long. And uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. But you're right, that week off is tough. But I tell you this much. They're, they're enjoying it because when you get to the oh, professional, no when you get to be professional, you uh, you can turn it on. A week off not too bad. You can turn it on and off. All right, Heath. Thank you, buddy. Heath Hinton, yes, everybody. Big Gold Nation. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. Broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps studio in Hattiesburg, Bob and Kelly, the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by D1 and D-Bat, great training facilities on Hardy Street. D-Bat, a softball, baseball facility for kids of all ages and D1 training for adults uh, that want to train for any sport that they are participating in and they can help you become your best. Kelly, we were... Uh, Talking about basketball, but we didn't talk about what's up next. So kind of review that, please. Yeah, the men's, the, the Eagles will take to the road this week. They will make their Florida swing beginning Thursday night at Florida International. That'll be a 6 o'clock tip-off our time. And then they just make that other swing Saturday to FAU. And that'll be, uh, that'll be Saturday. So the two Florida schools, they'll get that trip out of the way and then um, start returning home again. But according to the matrix from the Massey ratings, the Eagles have a 21% chance of winning the FIU game and only a 10% chance of winning the FAU game. I don't know how they determine all that stuff and strictly for entertainment purposes, 
but um, apparently not too high on the Eagles' chances winning either one of those games as they make their Florida swing. And of course, with the men being on the road, that means that the that the women will be <laughs> that home. Makes so much sense. It doesn't make any sense at all, and I, all I right. still don't get it. But and uh, and then there were the two NFL championship games, and let us start with the NFC first. We'll hold the best for last, Kelly. I was on the 49er bandwagon, and I think – I thought they had the game in hand yesterday. They're tough. They're nasty. You made a great point. It was their fifth consecutive road game, and it appears as good a team as they are, they may have just run out of legs and energy by the fourth quarter yesterday. In any league, at any level, to win on the road consistently – and, heck, they had already won four. I mean, that's amazing, mm-hmm. you know. But to go win a fifth one, you know, on the road, that that was tough. Even though they had had the Rams number, right? You know, pretty much they they beat them the, the first two times that they played them, and the odds were in their favor because in other times and when that has happened, you, right. a team plays a team a third time, they win that one. You know, but it was fourteen times that that happened, only eight times it didn't. But uh, but the Rams, you know, the Rams are a good enough team that you'd think that you. No, it happens no. a third time. Shame on us. And you go to Dallas and you win, and then you go to Green Bay and you win. That's that's just got to take some steam out of you, man. Right. Even though the game was in L.A. and by by all spectators there, they said there was more San Francisco fans. There were a ton. Than, yeah, than there were Ram fans. So, so the Rams are in, and you got to feel good whether you like the Rams or not. I'm pretty indifferent about the Rams, but uh, you got to feel good for Matthew Stafford. Here's a young man, by all accounts, is really an outstanding guy in his personal life, and. Uh, was plagued for thir- no for 12 years with the the dreadful Detroit Lions and he's finally going to get his chance. Yeah, yes. I, a lot of the basic the basic feedback has been from around the country. Sometimes there have been Super Bowls, most recent ones where people go, "I don't like either team." Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever liked New England, right? And they always seem to get in there. Uh, but now you've got people across the country saying, "I like both of these teams." Right. You know, so who right. who to cheer for? So it should be it should be fun anyway for your casual football fan to tune this one in. And here's the truth: in my lifetime, I never really thought I'd be talking to Kelly on the show or privately about the Bengals being in the Super Bowl. It just it, it still seems hard to believe. But what a courageous! What a courageous effort by the Bengals yesterday against Kansas City. Bob, I got to tell you, I didn't expect to be talking about the Bengals. I mean, we've made jokes on this show about their games being on the Cartoon Network. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. right. But there's something about this Burrow kid. Um, He's special. And 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 let me tell you, he, he has command of that locker room. And T.J. Uzama, the tight end, you know, says, why, why not us? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, in years past, maybe not, but. Things there's a new sheriff in town here, and this is the expectation from here on out. My wife had made two interesting points. She actually sat down and watched a lot of the playoff games. Kind of unusual for her. She made two interesting quarterback points: that Jimmy G was the best looking quarterback she had ever seen, and that Burroughs looked like a kid. They show close ups of him in his helmet. She's going, "My God, he he well, looks like a kid." Well, and he is. Yeah. You know, he is. But what a phenom! Yeah, this kid blew his knee up a year ago. It's, right. it's easy to forget about that, right? And and he just if the Bengals can, you know, keep the cap space comfortable where they can sign him. He's he's from Ohio, you know. It's two hours from his hometown, a city that has been thirsting for something to cheer about you know, for <laughs> for years. 
Uh, it's just it's just great. You, you like that underdog story. Uh, you did. You did. And, of course, around here, all the LSU types are coming out of the woodwork right. now because Jamar Chase, of course, his number one receiver is from LSU. Burrow played at LSU. So I, all, the, all the LSU people will be on board, I'm sure, cheering from the collegiate Bengals to the professional Bengals. The now. game is going to be in L.A., and so the crowd may be – I don't really know how Super Bowl tickets are sold. The crowd may oh. be a Rams crowd. Who knows? But – I really believe the nation will be pulling for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's just such a it's such a underdog story. They won four games last year, Bob. Yeah, they pointed out yesterday four. that two years ago they had the worst record in the NFL. They won two games, and then you draft this kid from LSU, and and here he so comes. So six in. games in two years, and the third year you're in the Super Bowl. And look, they they have the second most cap space in the off season. So generally, the outsiders say all this team needs is a couple of tackles or a couple of guards on the offensive line, and they could yeah. be good for a Did long, long time. Did you check your blood pressure at any point yesterday? I was wondering about you. I got to tell you, I cried a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure your really heart did. was beating pretty hard Man, there in the it was, second half. It was amazing. I'm just, I'm thrilled, <laughs> really thrilled. Thanks, to Coach Tim Floyd. That was a great conversation. We really appreciate his time. We're gonna have good shows for you all week. We'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock. Till then, Southern Miss to the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.